Welcome to the Hammer and Quill episode 23. An interview. Now I got that right this time. <laughs> Last time I got it wrong, but I know our episode. It's episode 23, an interview with Abby Grace Springman. We are so glad to have you here with us on the Hammer and Quill, Abby. Thank you for joining us via Zoom from your 1800s farmhouse. And where are you? Northern Virginia somewhere? Yes, in a closet in my farmhouse in, in Northern Virginia. It's the only place in our whole house that doesn't echo. <laughs> you have a carpeted closet? Yeah. Yeah, but hardwood everywhere else. Well, I guess there's, I mean, there's carpet in my office, but like it's still echoey. Mm. So I have well, to shut myself in the closet every time I do a podcast. We appreciate you going into the closet for this. Studio, the studio. The studio. Anything for you guys. Thank you. Mm. Well, that's great. That's great. Future guests, pay attention. Yeah. I, that made me feel good about myself. Yes. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> of like a, if you don't already have a studio in your house, set one up right now mm. for your podcast interview. Yes. That's right. That's right. And if just in case we call you and we're like, hey, we want to do podcast. Yeah. All of our listeners should get ready. <laughs> That's right. You never know. Be prepared. <laughs> be prepared. Get yourself a closet. Uh, <laughs> in this farmhouse, uh, tell me a little bit more about this. This is this was like somehow in the family or what's the story with this house you guys are in now? Yeah, so we, um, I've loved this house since I was a little kid. I mean, it's in the town over from where I grew up and we would drive past it every once in a while. And I remember being like, ah, I wonder what the inside of that house looks like. And so probably seven years ago when it was on the market, we did the Snoopy thing and they were having an open house. And I was like, let's go pretend we're going to buy the house and go mm. see the inside of it. So I can fulfill this childhood dream of knowing what the inside of this house looks like. Um, and then my parents ended up buying it. There you go. Um yeah, which was amazing because I was like, this is the next best situation. Like if we can't live there, then we can come and enjoy it and they can pay for it. <laughs> um, but then when we started looking to buy this past summer, everything we were looking at was super depressing. That was in our budget and I was getting really frustrated and like we had so many boxes that we needed to check with like we needed a place where we could have separate offices and you know a place where it was like the sound was relatively closed off because our son is uh, 14 almost 15 months old and he makes a lot of noise mm. and my parents were like well would you want to buy our house and I was uh yeah don't even need any other information <laughs> like other than are you willing to sell it yes we'll take it so um it's I mean like literally my childhood dream house wow. and it's such a joy to be here and um, yeah, we're this is, absolutely, it's like white with green shutters and it has a green tin roof and this wraparound Southern porch. Oh. And I just like sit on the porch. And I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> my, my wife, Jenny, who Abby, you know, will be very happy for you and also very jealous. Yeah. <laughs> a good, good for you. That's really <laughs> good for I'm, you. Abby. She'll, she'll say, I'm very happy for her. <laughs> That's how I know she's happy yeah. and yeah. jealous. <laughs> And you, you're Very actually happy right now, Jesse. I, I don't want to send anyone like like looking for you, but you're. I think you're in my hometown. Are you? Yeah. Are yeah. You, we're in Herndon. Herndon oh, you're Virginia. in Herndon. Okay. I grew up in Sterling, yeah. just just mm. beside Herndon. So we were in Sterling. I grew up in Reston, so we've mm. like ping ponged around. Um, but we went from Sterling to Herndon. My mom. My mom went to Herndon High School. That's like so did just my dad. A, oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Now. <laughs> they were probably about the same age. My mom was very young. Now, 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 yeah, when I say that, if you're listening, Abby and I are not the same age. It's really not that close. <laughs> but my mom was very young when she had me. Mm. Yeah, she was born in 1958. Okay, they were probably in high school at the same time. Wow. Wow. 
Well, we're not going to we're not going to follow that up. We're just going to leave it and move on because <laughs> because here here on the Hammer and Quill. Now Abby's a, a longtime listener. She's listened to at least one. We know that yeah. for sure. Yep. Uh, That's all it takes to that, be a long time long time listener. listener <laughs> listen to one of these, and so uh, yeah, really. So what we're all about here on the Hammer and Quill, if you're tuning in for the first time, is we're all about pursuing the good, true, and beautiful, particularly through the lens of vocation. So you know, with the Bonhoeffer House, we are. Uh, we're really uh, uh, dedicated. It's, it, we're kind of this like uh, micro, this network of churches training pastors. Mm. It's a, it's kind of a strange experiment. It's kind of like a microbrewery, but Baptist. <laughs> Which I guess that I was at coffee or something. We're like a coffee, yeah. like a craft. sweet tea, a sweet, sweet tea. tea there, it, or, or we're like a yeah. Chick, franchising Chick Fil A or something. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty Baptist. Seven layer dip. I don't get that one. Uh, or or just casseroles in general. Oh, yeah, like Baptist. Yeah. Yeah. Potlucky. Okay. Foods. Anyway. <laughs> uh, Breaded mac and cheese, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Now, now, now it yeah. makes sense. Thank now you, now. Abby. Yeah, seven-layer dip's not... Sorry. I meant casserole. Okay. I meant casserole. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and moving on. And But Michael and I were thinking this year we should do a podcast that explores not just how people are honored as they serve God in pastoral ministry, but really uh, looks at uh, the idea of vocation through the lens of, of the, the really the historic way of viewing vocation as calling. Vocation comes from the Latin vocare, which means to call. And so, so really looking at people honoring God, being faithful to God in a variety of different ways, uh, both in their home and in their families and in the way that they make money, the way that they earn a living. Yeah. And, and looking particularly through the lens of Philippians 4, 8, which essentially says whatever's true and honorable and, and just and pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise, think about these things. And so we want to stop and look at the lives and vocations of people serving God in a Philippians 4, 8 kind of way with the conviction that ultimately cultures really change not by you know who we elect necessarily, but by how we live faithfully in the places God's called us to, with the people he's called us to, uh, and with excellence being good at what we do and, and getting better and better. So uh, we wanted to have Abby Grace Springman on because she's good at what she does, getting better and better and better, and is really seeking to honor God both uh, in her family and in her in her work. Abby's an old friend uh, from Radford, from Campus Ministry Life. I think I was around, I was around, wasn't I, when you met your husband? This is true, isn't it? Hampton Beach? You were, I don't think you were on, you weren't on Summer Project with us, were you? Were you? <sighs> I was so you were forgettable. In Beach. It was so forgettable. <laughs> <laughs> this is so depressing. Wait, you, were you guys at were I, you guys at Hampton Beach with with Brett and Katie? Yeah, and... See, this is why it's so forgettable. Brett was <laughs> Brett wasn't even doing. Wasn't he at home? Like like wasn't he at Hampton Beach <laughs> watching his kids while Katie was the one that was staffing, or was Brett actually on staff that year? No, they were both on staff. Yeah. Well, okay, but Brett was the one. <laughs> this is this is so forgettable. Yes, I was there. No, that's right. Because you were the you oh. were the because Sarah was the director. No, Mark was the director, and then there was Sarah, and there was and and you. Yes. And, and then, and then right? there was you, yeah, just the, somewhere. The way that that was. This is so. This is so crazy. This is my yes, life. This is my going. life. I directed that Same. summer project. You had such- and yet you don't remember that I was there, but you remember that Brett was there. Brett wasn't even working. He was watching his kids while Katie works. I'm just saying you had such an irrevocable impact on my life on campus. This is what I'm looking for. That like summer project was but Oh, there we go. There we go. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for that. Oh. Very, very close connection that we had at Hampton <laughs> Beach, New Hampshire, <laughs> with a crew summer project. I have followed Abby from a distance for years as you've slowly and excellently built your photography business into really a photography brand. Can we just call it a media empire? Is that okay? That's a lot of expectation. Okay. Just a small media conglomerate. Oh, sure. We'll go with that. That's fine. That would make We could call it a startup conglomerate. A startup conglomerate. Okay. Yes. Yes. So you're not quite a mogul. But close. Not at all. Not even close. Don't let her fool you. She's close. We want to really explore today, Abby, how you've attempted to be faithful to God while you're um, really uh, showing what I I would consider to be an... uh, a, a good model of um, of hard work, of excellence, of even uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, why can't I re- remember this word? Oh, geez. I, I, well, I, you should know no the word idea. in my head right now, Michael. Maybe if you paid me. <laughs> that was diligence. Di- diligence. Oh, keep going, Abby. Yeah, this is good. Um, I don't pay, I don't pay Abby, I'm sorry, I don't pay Abby anything either, but I don't pay Michael to be my associate director. <laughs> and so that was a little shot across right, the hall yeah. there that if I paid you, you'd, you'd know that what I was looking for was ambition, godly ambition to be yeah. excellent, tenacity. We want to explore today how you've attempted to be faithful, building your business and your family in ways uh, and places that you have, that God has chosen for you. So Abby, here's mm. what we do with all of our guests as we ask you to introduce yourself by answering the question, and this is really a home run of a question. It really it isn't. This is a total dud because every time we ask it, our guest is like, I don't know what you're talking about. So maybe this will be different. What would be on the back of your baseball card? Wow, you really bunted that one into left field, didn't you? Oh. <laughs> um, what would be on the back of my baseball card? Well, I, kind of, I cheated. I knew this question was coming because I was listening to – um, Hannah's interview. So yes. I was thinking about it a little bit, but on the back of my baseball card would probably be something pretty similar to what's on my Instagram bio right now, which is like believer, um, artist, creative, um, wife, mother, Hufflepuff, Francophile secret weapon is a tube of red lipstick. Ooh. Um, if it were like a longer, no, that's a, I want to hear more, but that's a really excellent answer. That is an excellent answer. Okay. Yeah. And even down to the bunting into left field. That's right. Which is, which if you think about it, is actually a really good hit. I got a good hit on that. I bunted all the way to left field. All right. Keep going. What would be the longer? I want to hear more. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I am a photographer by trade, um, but I, I, my passion is people. Um, I love people and I love helping people focus on what matters most. Uh, and so photography is how I do that. Um, education through our photography business is how I do that. Mm. Um, I tend to live at like a volume 10. So like I'm either all in or I'm not there at all. Um, and um, I'd say that the overall story and in, in or that the Lord is weaving through my life is, a st- is just a story of redemption. I mean, that's, that's true for all of us. We've mm. all been lost and now we're found in these sort of mini stories of redemption over and over and over again, or just his opportunity, his way of, of revealing himself through our lives to those around us and to us as well. Um, but that story of redemption is one that plays out. I, I'm just like so keenly aware of it. Um, and so that's played out like in my relationship, like in my story, finding my husband um, in the way that our son came into our family um, in 
Yeah. I mean, I, our business has grown. So I, I graduated in 2010 and um, went immediately into the corporate world, knew I did not want to be there. I'm a very passionate, like I said, I live at like a level 10 passionate creative person. And I went and sat behind a desk from eight to five every day. Um, and so I just knew that was not where I wanted to be. And so after two years, I left and took photography full time. So that was in 2012. And then in 2015, my husband joined me um, as my business partner, which was such a gift, like such a gift. Mm. Um, and so we grew from shooting weddings to then adding like an educational aspect onto things because I love teaching. I love sharing, like learning out loud, sharing what I'm learning. Um, to help save other people the trouble and to also help them again, just like focus on what matters most, whether that's what matters most in their business or what matters most in their life outside of work. Um, and then um, once we added on education, realized like things were starting to turn more towards like the branding aspect of things. So for your listeners, I know you said you, you, you interview a lot of authors and people who work in maybe like publishing or writing. Mm -hmm. um, when I say branding, I mean, I photograph branding photographs for creative small business owners. So like I come in and shoot a whole suite of photography for like social media, email, newsletters, um, website, ad copy, like all that kind of stuff. Um, so like we started transitioning into that a couple of years ago. This is a really long baseball card. Sorry, guys. I wonder how much information you right, wanted. You're, you're answering um, a lot of the questions I was going to ask. <laughs> but keep going. Oh, I like okay. It. Okay. Um, so yeah, we started pivoting into branding photography a few years ago because it was just one of those things that like the Lord like pushed onto my plate and was like, you're going to do this hmm. um, through a combination of other people being like, you're really good at this. Um, and so throughout all of that, we were also trying to start a family, um, and have been, I mean, it's been five years since we, since we started trying for a family. And, um, about two years ago, we decided, well, we decided the Lord again was like, you're going to do this. And it was adoption was mm. starting to like appear a lot. And mm. actually, Jesse, you guys were, you and Jenny were part of that. Mm. Um, and we can get into that a little bit more later, but, um, decided that adoption was the way that the Lord desired to grow our family. And, um, our son was born last August and he's 14, almost 15 months old now. And that's just been a whole nother level of like redemption and joy and gratitude and the Lord, like his promises being fulfilled. And just, and, and I mean, every time I look at my son, it's an invitation mm. to rejoice and be grateful and thank the Lord for how good he is. So, um, yeah, currently Amen. we are balancing like, trying to be like parents with very limited childcare and like also running this, what did you call it? A, a business um, empire, empire, conglomerate, empire, local. but then yeah. we backed down to con conglomerate, I think is what okay. we settled on. Yeah. So trying to balance life as a conglomerate. Mm. And as a mom. Well, I want to ask so many follow-up questions because you answered that question at a 10 out of 10. That's right. I live my life at a five out of yeah. 10, which is why <laughs> Abby doesn't remember that I was at That's right. Beach. That's right. <laughs> But you answered that at a 10 out of 10. One of the things that, that makes you really fun to watch and and uh, I assume fun to work with. As a matter of fact, while you were talking, I was like, we need to hire Abby. Yeah. <laughs> we need, a, we need, we need a, something better than an empress to come empress. help us with our just a, a mogul. Just a mogul. We need, some, we need something. You know, here's how bad we are at media. This is the, not the first time we've mentioned this here on, on the Hammer and Quill, but... Uh, <laughs> There was a few episodes ago where we where we recorded this really cool video. Uh, it was our first foray into multimedia, That's into right. uh, 
video in a the YouTube. <laughs> like Entertainment 720? Like Entertainment... Th thank you. Yes, so there's a Parks and Recreation. <laughs> we were doing the Entertainment 720. Uh, About as well as they did. Yeah, that's right. We would have gone bankrupt also. We would have hired Detlef Shrimp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, we did this whole thing and it was fantastic and I forgot to hit record. That's, that's, that's the, all the story is. Yeah. And then it was like, this is not, um, I'm not ready for this life. We can't handle multimedia. But it makes you feel better. I spent three hours one time recording new lessons and um, realized at the end of it that my mic was muted the whole time. Oh, actually that, that does. does. Yeah. Thank you. That does make us feel better. Even if, <laughs> even if that's not true, it makes me feel better. You could have just made that up to make us feel better and it worked. <laughs> oh, it was it was very true. I was like, I had to set up my, I was in our old house in a townhouse and I had to set up my recording studio where I was literally sitting on a chair or dryer with the dryer door open. So I had a place to put my feet and I spent three hours like that recording. And when I got to the end to check my progress, fun fact, always check your progress while you're, you know, in the midst mm. of it, got to the end and there was nothing on the audio track. It was just silence. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> Thank you for that. Because you're excellent. You're really good. And if you make mistakes, I feel like maybe we could accomplish it's, something. Yeah, it's okay. Maybe we could do something. Listen, I'm going to back all the way up. You're going to have to tell me what a Hufflepuff is. Harry Potter. Seriously? <laughs> I'm feeling so much shame right now. Wait, you, were, you weren't joking. I don't know what a Hufflepuff is. I, I definitely thought that was like a setup. It's... That you were like, is I'm going to pretend like... like I don't know what Hufflepuff is. No, I don't know what Hufflepuff is. Did you think it was like a Pokemon? It's one of the four houses <laughs> in Hogwarts. Is this one of your favorite Pokemon characters? Is it? <laughs> I, I want to go ahead and apologize to everyone out there who now is judging me and uh, point out that you're judging me. Yeah. Yeah, so Hufflepuff is one of the four houses That's right. in Harry Potter. Which it's I've, just basically, a way, you know how people are like, oh, I'm an Enneagram, blah, blah, blah. I'm, First yeah. of all, I categorically refuse to learn the Enneagram. So when people are like, I'm a three-wing seven, I'm like, I don't know what that means. And I refuse to learn what I that means. I am a Hufflepuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, basically, yeah. So Hufflepuff is just a way to say like, this is like a little bit of insight into like who I am as a person. But if you don't know anything about Harry Potter, it, it just... It's hard to be your friend. I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Do you not know... Yeah. Anything I, about Harry Potter? I've never read the Harry Potter. Oh. I've never watched a Harry Potter. Really? My, wow. My son, who's 10, has read through the Harry Potter series multiple times now. And he's always like, Dad, you're never going to do it. I'm like, no, save that book. I'll read it. He's like, you're not going to do it. And he's been right. We should do like, it together. <laughs> you should. He's too fast. He reads too fast. It's really good. Is it? Is it like? It is. Okay. It is. It's a it's a good story. Well, it's good enough for Abby to have it in her uh, her back of her baseball. That's part. right. And Re um, really, Abby, you should be defending it. You uh, are are more of a fan than I am. I don't have yeah my, my house in my. Oh, I'm I'm bad at Instagram. Period, though. So yeah, you don't you you don't have any, much on Instagram. My last post is probably from six months ago. Probably. It's probably yeah. Lila being born <laughs> a year and a half ago. No, you don't need to defend it. I'll read it. So you are Hufflepuff Francophile, which means you love France. All things French, yep. All things French. I figured that one out by the word. Mm. That was easier than Hufflepuff. Now, uh, talk a little bit about um, your journey. And, you know, you, you gave us a little bit of a, an outline of your journey into the photography industry. But 
uh, you know, when you started, you were just, how were you starting? Were you starting just doing weddings and how were you kind of drumming up that kind of business? Yeah. So I started actually, um, during my junior year at Radford, I took a dark room film class and, um, to fulfill a fine art credit because for some reason being a music major for a year didn't accomplish that. And so I took this dark room class and fell completely head over heels in love. Um, just utterly obsessed. And at the time I was, I mean, my degree is in communications. And so I was, you know, my third, the second half of my third year of PR major and was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do anything with comms. I want to be a photographer. Is that insane? Um, And so I, um, like six months after I took that class, I like reached out to a bunch of wedding photographers and was like, so I really like stalking people's wedding pictures on Facebook. And I really like photography and I feel like there could be something there. So I reached out to a bunch of wedding photographers and was like, do I need a degree in this? How did you get started? And I must've emailed like 10 photographers and only one of them emailed me back. Um, And he was like, yeah, you can totally come to a wedding with me if you want, which was like nothing I was ever going to ask for, Mm. but he was so generous with me and he let me come and he paid me. He should not have paid me. Nothing (laughs) I gave him was worth using. Um, He let me, and then he ended up mentoring me for a year. I apprenticed under him for, for a full year experience. And then I threw like very slowly, like sharing some of those images that I shot under him, uh, started booking people of my own. And so like, I mean, I was at the very bottom of the totem pole, like my work wasn't very good. My prices were very low. And so it was, it, it began as like, we need a photographer. You're a photographer. Your prices are in my budget. And, um, I think through the, the process of like infusing my, like just going at it, like at a level 10 volume 10, like, you can't like miss my personality. Like it's right there and either you really like it or you really don't. And so the people who really resonated with that became some of my biggest fans and were the ones like preaching about me and, and, and um, like sharing testimonials. And so, um, you know, as the work continued to get better, the brand became a lot more clear. It's kind of like when you like, like the, the term essential, it means like the bare bones of something, like the, the, the most essential information, um, the essence of something is, mm. is the most essential information. And so um, as my photography grew, my brand boiled down into really like what the essence of, of like me as a person is, is combined with my art. And so that's, I think how that grew so well is it's just very authentically me and people who resonated with that um, bought it. And those who didn't were like, no, thanks. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was that was 10, more than 10, almost 11 years ago that I started shooting weddings. So it just, I mean, it grew very organically. Like, I love what I do, and I'm very passionate and outspoken about what I do. And um, I think that attracts similar similar types of people. And so those people were more likely to put my name out there. Um, so, yeah, it grew pretty pretty organically. We didn't do any crazy, like, advertising or anything like that. It just... I mean, it was blessed by yeah. the Lord. Like that's how I grew. <laughs> yeah, I mean, man, I love the uh, aspect of um, pursuing it full heartedly. Like, you know, the 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 idea that you are writing to ten different people, you know, yeah. seeking their input, asking their advice. It's, I mean, it's pretty rare. It's pretty rare, and 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 I, I appreciate you saying really the Lord did this, but uh, He did that in a lot of ways through your you know, it sounds like through your kind of persistence and your, your excitement and your passion. And I love yeah the apprenticeship. Yep. We are all about apprenticing, you know, as, for, as far as, you know, for us, for Michael and I, it's, it's in pastoral ministry. We think 
uh, that, that so much of life is actually caught rather than just taught. Like you can take all the photography classes in the world, but it's not going to, it's not going to teach you as much as working with someone side by side, seeing how they do things, seeing how they interact with, you know, with the bride and groom or interact with their clients, uh, how they interact with even other service people. You, you're picking that kind of stuff up yeah. that you can't pick up in a classroom. Or if you, even if it's taught in a classroom, you don't really, you don't really, you know, it doesn't sink in until you're doing it. So you're watching it done. One of the things I didn't meant that I didn't really touch on was like leaving the corporate sphere. Cause like I did that after, well, I did, I, I mentioned I did that after two years and that was like, that was a that was a huge decision that we came to um and and that was born out of the fact that like i was miserable at my day job not just because um i didn't like the work but i was miserable because i was doing eight to five on my corporate job and then i was coming home and doing 5 30 to 10 30 for myself editing mm. um sometimes 11 sometimes 12 and then i would work all day on the weekends for myself and it got to this point where my husband was like i it hurts me to see you this miserable all the time. Something has to change. And I remember my, my dad is one of my best friends. And I remember having multiple about this. And at first, like he didn't support this. He was like, I think this is really foolish. I think you're chasing something that like, you don't know that this is what the Lord has planned for you. Like you need to be content at this corporate job for the rest of your life. If that's what the Lord has planned for you. And once you can be content with that idea, maybe then you can explore the concept of leaving. Not that I was looking for my dad's permission because Matt and I were married and I was a grown up. I didn't need permission, but I was, I very much value my dad's wisdom. Mm-hmm. And so it got to the point where we were like, this this has to happen. Like I'm getting, I'm not fully present at my corporate job it means I'm not stewarding the salary that I'm getting there. Well. Um, and then for my, my photography business, I could be serving my clients so much better and I could grow this business a lot better. And also I'm missing out on all this time with my brand new husband and I miss him. And so like, if we wait any longer to leave it, this is disobedient, like this is, I am being, I know I'm being called to leave. Um, and it was so funny because on the day that I put in my notice, Matt got notice that his job was being dissolved. And so I come home and everyone's like, Oh, you're going to stay, right? Like you're going to stay at your corporate job. And I was like, no, like this is again, like we, this is what I'm being called to. And I don't know how I know that. I just, it, everything's fitting together and this is working out really well and it's very seamless. And like, this is where the Lord's calling me. And if I were to do the safe thing and cling to the promise of this salary and a very stable job um, at the expense of where God's calling me, like this would be disobedient. And you can't explain that to people who don't get it. It's Mm. just, that seems like an excuse to follow a passion. Um, And I was following a passion, but I was also following where the Lord, like where he gifted me, where he called me um, and where like we knew I was supposed to go. Mm. That's really fascinating. Yes, I love the I love the idea the the what you're describing, Abby, of the combination of your passions, your giftings, your uh, your talents, what other people are affirming uh, as far as hey, you're pretty good at this, um, while also kind of balancing what's what's hap- what's happening to my soul where I am, and and there's mm-hmm. you know there it sounds like there's kind of a disintegration or a you know and in, in, in typical most people know that feeling of yeah. like this is. <laughs> This work I'm doing, this project I'm doing, this job I'm doing, it just is eating away at me. Yeah. Um, and really, it is it is hard to to kind of discern, especially when you have someone you trust, like your your dad on one side, and you know it's it's hard to navigate that. And and really, you know, so so as you were doing that, 
Now, what helped you feel confident? This is what the Lord's do, you know, where the Lord's leading us. Um, I think the Lord just affirmed that, like in terms of like the number of bookings that he was sending our way, like I, 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 I know Matt and I prayed about it and we both felt peace about it. Honestly, like that was the biggest, I, the Lord like works a lot in me through my gut. And like, if, if something feels off in my gut, like we pay attention to that because that's almost always, no, that's always proved us well when we, when we heed um, my gut instincts and my gut instincts for this, after I got over the initial shock of Matt being like, you should leave your corporate job being like, what mm. to realizing like, Oh, this could work. Like, you know, here are the, here are the, the numbers behind everything. Here's how many bookings I have. Here's how many I would need. Here's the proverbial wisdom that says like, if you, like you need to have, what was it? 50 to like 50 to 75% of the work already booked when you leave your corporate job. And then the additional 40 hours per week that you will have will allow you to make extra income. We had all of that, all of the, all of the proverbial wisdom. We had all of that. And so just this piece of, and like, I'm someone who finds a lot of security in finances. Like that's um, been a forever struggle of mine. That is a constant pain point that the enemy is like, by the way, money fear. Um, and like, <laughs> so for us to, to feel peace about walking away from a very stable job with great benefits to like, not know where my next paychecks were going to come from to feel peace about that was very telling that that's, that is not for me. That mm. is something from the Lord because the normal Abby would be freaking the heck out about something like this. Mm. That's excellent because really what you're saying is it's not just pursue peace or follow the peace that you have in your heart, but really is this peace uh, disconnected from my normal feelings I might w- would have about this, right? Like, yeah, you know, if if typically you don't really care about money and then you don't care about money, right? Who knows? Maybe that's the Lord, or maybe it's not. But if you're like, no, no, this is where I usually and man, I really have a peace about it over here. Uh, that might be a clue that the Lord's leading you that way. Plus, of course, you're getting bookings. There's some real life practical things happening that are affirming this. Now, I'm interested. Do you think you have a better gut as a woman than men? This is a legit question, okay? And the reason I asked this question is, uh, you remember when Hannah spoke? I do. I was wondering if you're... So one of our previous guests, Hannah Anderson, we'll we'll link to that uh, interview in the show notes. I don't think she talks about it in, in the interview, but... No. She gave a talk at a little conference we hosted on Virtue. And uh, she mentioned women's intuition Uh and how women need to trust their, basically trust their gut more. Well, actually what she was saying is women need to to take their gut and put it under the word of God. So it's formed and shaped virtuously Yes, so that they can take the the sort of natural intuition that God's gifted them with generally speaking. Okay. So we're just, I'm just using generalities, (laughs) disclaimer, um, and, and be able to trust that more. Uh, do you find that, do you think that that's just a particular thing that you, you were talking about? Do you find that you and Matt are just completely different there? What do you think, Abby? Tell us. Uh, I don't want to make any generalizations because I've never studied that or paid attention to. That doesn't stop us. The like, differences <laughs> of gut from women versus men. I would say that my gut has led us um, in terms of um, being a little, I, I would say I'm maybe a little bit more attuned to it. I know that sounds very like new age, but I'm just more in tuned to um, like intuition of, is this for us or is this not? Um, And then like, once I get a read on that sort of, Oh, this is what my gut's telling me. Like, okay, what does either what does scripture say about that? Well, yeah, no scripture say about that seeking the Lord in prayer. Yeah. Um, And like with, 
Matt, Matt tends to be a little bit more pragmatic. So he's one who wants to talk through the logistics a little bit more. Mm. Um, and what was the book that I was reading that was talking about how your decision-making part of your brain and your, um, like the logical part of your brain makes decision or I can't remember exactly which book it was, but it was talking about how, oh, sorry, your verbal, the verbal portion of your, of your brain and the decision-making part of your brain are not necessarily connected. And so when you make decisions that are based on a gut instinct, you cannot always give words to those. Um, and so Matt tends to be, if he can't give words to it, tends to be one who wants to talk it out and like find the logic in it. Whereas I'm just like, nope, this is my gut. This is what it says. I don't have a good feeling about this. I don't think we should pursue this. So in my marriage, again, not speculating at all in my marriage, I would say I do tend to have stronger intuition. Um, yeah, I know that didn't that answer was, your No, 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 that I'm totally answered my question. And where you're, where you're not willing to go, I'm going there. <laughs> no, I, uh, <laughs> I will speculate. I will speculate about things I know nothing about. It's one of the things that I find most fun to do in life. <laughs> but I, I think it, generally speaking, it seems to be true that, that, uh, women and, and really what, uh, the reason I'm asking, or I'm, I'm speculating here is because I wonder how often listeners might shut down something that God actually might want to help, uh, help want them to develop and cultivate virtuously under the word of God, uh, within, within the context of the and, people of God yep, speaking yep, into it. And, yep. and, uh, because it doesn't seem very spiritual or something. Mm. Now that's why I want to go there. I mean, not, not because not, not to say, you know, um, I'm not making general generalizations just for that sake, but to say some, some listeners might be like, man, I, I resonate with that. Like I can't always mm-hmm. put words to it except for to know, nope, this person is not, a, I, I, or, or this thing is not, or this, this is where I want to go, or this is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, again, like mm-hmm. Abby, you were saying, you're already running this through the framework. What does, what does the scripture say? But the scripture doesn't always say, it doesn't say which job to take, right. Or, yeah. uh, how mm-hmm. much money you have to make or how much to save or, you know, where to live, where to move and those sorts of things. So, yeah, you know, yeah, there's some gut to it. My gut typically is just saying I'm hungry. hungry. Yeah, I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's either hungry or, um, no, I'm good. I'm not hungry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. But, but bringing, bringing those intuitions into, uh, maybe into the community of God where people are, are gifted differently and, yeah. and, and can help shed light on what you might mm-hmm. be thinking through or processing through. And honestly, like, I, Oh, I go remember, ahead. Abby. I remember in college, um, I can't remember her last name. Holly, um, mentioned that she has, she's like, I have a gift of discernment. And I'm like, what is that? That's a gift to be able to look at a situation and be like, that's God's will. And that's not, cause that's what I think it is. It's in Samuel that, um, my footnotes in my ESV Bible just define um, wisdom as being able just to discern what is from the Lord and what is not. And if it is not from the Lord, it is not good. And if it is from the Lord, it is good, even if it doesn't match your. And so to, there are people who in the body of Christ have this gift to be able to look at a situation and say, that sounds spirit breathed and that does not. Um, and here's why that doesn't sound spirit breathed. That may sound really good according to our spiritualistic society or the online gurus that you're following or, you know, whatever lifestyle mogul you might happen to be listening to. But like, this is what this, this is what the scriptures say about this type of decision, or this is what the scriptures say about the type of life that we're called to pursue. And this is where this decision that you're trying to, to come to is 
at a cross is is you know up against that those two mm. those two don't make sense together so i think when you're when you've got that intuition and you've got that gut i do think it's worth talking to other people i think it's worth limiting the number of people that you talk to instead of putting out like an instagram poll and like asking people for their <laughs> and you know opinions we don't know and how mass, to do going that. to like you can do a poll yeah fine. <laughs> yeah but like going to three or four people who are wiser than you, mm. who you trust, who know you well, and say, this is the decision that I'm faced with, and I'm not sure what to do, or this is what I'm thinking. Um, honestly, like that, I mean, iron sharpens iron. Like I have grown so much in business because I have three to four really good um, photographer girlfriends who are also believers who I can call at any point being like, am I being a butthead? Mm. Yes. Okay good needed that reality check or hey here's a situation i'm considering responding this way and someone being like are you responding out of fear or are you responding out of the abundance of the lord like um that there is there i think there's a lot to be said for when you feel like the lord's pressing something on you of seeking wise counsel from other people um and not just seeking out counsel from people who you know will affirm you like Ooh. seek counsel from people who you know will give you an honest and unbiased opinion i prefer people that affirm me <laughs> <laughs> also, whenever I ask, whenever I ask Michael if I'm being a butthead about something, he doesn't let me get to the next part. Hey, Michael, am I being a butthead? Yes, <laughs> but I haven't even been able to explain what yeah. I'm talking about yet. <laughs> no, I think that's really excellent because really what we're talking about is is uh, d- decision making in the will of God, especially vocationally. Yeah, is a really complex thing, and meaning me when I say complex, I don't mean. Um, uh, impossible to understand. I mean, there's a lot of factors, right? right. You got to figure out what does the Word of God say. Uh, what is what a, what a godly counsel like? People at iron sharpening iron. What do people that I trust speak into this? What is my gut telling me? What what it what makes sense? You know, using the God given reason that you know that I have. What makes sense with this? Uh, excellent, Abby. Did you seek out those three or four women to kind of be uh, be partners in in your business life and and, and particularly in uh, kind of helping make sure that you are conducting your business life in a way that's faithful to the Lord. Like, I'm just curious if I mean, you pursued them in, in a similar way that someone would pursue a, a spiritual mentor or, uh, or a discipler. It wasn't quite so formal. Um, in the sense where I was like, hello, will you be my accountability partner? Sure. Um, but they were friendships that organically grew and that the closer the friendships became, like the more, um, I mean, just like any friendship, like the, the, the more permission there is for someone to say, to like call you out on your sin, um, and, and, and receiving that, uh, conviction with humility instead of, um, getting really defensive, which is, which is my instinct. Um, like when my husband is like, Hey, uh, you did this thing. And I'm like, no, I didn't. I definitely, well, that was your fault that I did that. <laughs> you can't really do that with, with like colleagues. It doesn't go over as well. Um, and so I think there is a forced humility there to know that like, Hey, these people love me and they are for me and they wouldn't be saying this if mm. they were, if they didn't love me, like they're not saying this because they enjoy seeing me un- be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, she, they're saying this because they know this to be true. And they know that a deeper, richer relationship with the Lord is, is waiting on the other side of me getting over whatever this thing is. Mm-hmm. Um, going back excellent. to the intuition thing, I will say there are times when your intuition is super off. Um, like when you're and, and I think that's maybe not intuition. That's, that's emotion d- disguising itself as intuition. Um, and so like my husband and I, um, like I mentioned, we've been trying for a family for a really long time. And in the midst of that sort of 
three years of trying before we started the adoption process, there was a lot of times where my gut said, do not celebrate that person's pregnancy because it means less for you, Mm. or do not rejoice with that person because they got something good that you wanted and that's bad and they're selfish. Mm. And like, that's not intuition, that's Satan. Um, And that's Satan manipulating your emotions. And it's a direct contradiction of what the gospel says, which is that the Lord authors life and that life is good um, and a good thing to be celebrated. And so like, those are like, when you have, I would, I just would say when you feel like your intuition is like bringing out an uglier side of you, that's not intuition. That's, that's not a gut feeling. That's just sin maybe trying to pass itself off as like wisdom. Mm. Um, and like Satan masquerades in almost truths, you know, like he mm. doesn't always like outright lie. Sometimes he just like fudges the truth, like just enough that it's sort of recognizable Mm. um and that's where like a lot of stumbling blocks were for me because i could rationalize my sin enough that i felt sort of okay with it until i had those friends call me out and be like that's wrong like Mm. you are so wrong right now and you i love you but that's you can't you can't do that (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's excellent so uh let's let's uh we're not going to quite change gears yet but just we're going to shift which is changing gears. Okay. So, um, uh, talk, talk a little bit about, uh, I do think we have quite a few, uh, people who are either leading, you know, small businesses or, you know, managing small businesses, uh, leading churches, leading, um, nonprofit organizations and probably almost, well, if they're like us, we don't really know what branding means. Uh, so, Talk a little bit more about that. You mentioned this some, but like if you were, say, hypothetically branding the Bonhoeffer house. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. uh, What would you be? And and again, I know you're thinking more in terms of um, uh, the the picture, right? So talk a little bit about that. What would you be looking for? What would you what kind of questions would an organization? Because I I really think um, taking it outside of the realm of being a kind of polished corporate thing and more into the realm, and I think about this all the time with our church, is uh, how do we make sure that our what we're putting out to the world is on message with who we are, with our identity, with our culture, mm-hmm. and with our mission, and make sure that it's, you know, things are in, in alignment together. So talk a little bit about, you know, tell us a little bit about what goes into branding. What, why, why should an organization like the Bonhoeffer House even be thinking about that? Yeah. So, I mean, branding is, if you boil the definition down, it is the perception that your audience has of your business. And so that has to do with like your intentions for the brand and how that's perceived by the audience. Um, And so a lot of what we see in the creative industry a lot is um, probably pretty, very backwards from how churches and and plants end up doing it, which is in the creative industry, people start with the visuals and try to work backwards from there. Like, oh, I bought this beautiful website template and I've put some gorgeous photos in it and I had some new headshots taken, brand established. But then you get like three years down the road and you're still taking the same pictures over and over and over again. And you start to ask that question of like, why am I doing this? Why? Mm -hmm. Like, what's my purpose? Um, And so like with churches and like on a a lot of startups, what you end up seeing is people starting with why, like, what's our purpose here? What solution are we providing? Sorry, what problem are we providing a solution to? Um, What is our like end destination? Um, What are our strengths as a church? What are our weaknesses? What are our values? What do we want to infuse into the body that we bring together to worship on Sunday mornings? How do we want to live our mission out in the, in, in the community that we're part of? Um, And so I, 
I typically teach that branding has like two sides, right? So we have our brand identity, which is like the roots or the root system underneath the tree. Um, and it starts with a seed or some kind of like seedling. And from that seed that you plant underground, roots start to grow and, and a shoot starts to come up. But roots grow first. Roots and shoots grow at the same time. Roots come first. Um, and so eventually like your, um, your tree grows up overground and it's got a trunk and it's got leaves and sometimes flowers and it's beautiful, but it's only possible because of what's, what's there underneath. If you try to plant, like if you took a dead cut tr Christmas tree and stuck it in the ground and shoveled dirt over it, like it would still be dead. There's nothing else there this is like a sermon to illustration. keep it grounded. I'm going to use this. Yeah. <laughs> and I will not give You're you any to, credit. You, yeah. nope, not, you do have to cite me. Not going to happen. Absolutely me. not going to happen. I'm going to totally I take credit for that. I heard that the first that. time you tell a story in a sermon, you have to cite the person. And the next time you tell it, you don't have to cite them. Well, whoever told you that's a liar. You can just do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> okay, keep going. Um, but, We're stuck the Christmas tree in the ground and it's just a dead Christmas tree. It looks good for a little while, but right. there's no roots. It does, especially if there's like ornaments and tinsel on it. But eventually like the leaves will, sorry, the, the, the needles will fall off and you have this ring of dead Christmas tree needles all around it. It's still just a dead tree. And start with purpose and you start with knowing, like having a very grounded idea of who, like who the brand's identity is. It gives birth to a much more stable, secure, visual brand. Mm. Um, and I love that word that you use, like in alignment. So we, um, I actually, we just relaunched a course called Branding Foundations that I teach on this exact thing, um, where when you start with the brand identity, um, it gives you a much, much clearer idea when you start to go establish the brand visuals. So like, I'm going to use a creative business, for example. Um, let's say you're a creative business who um, your strengths are... Um, bringing people together and hosting really well and like this concept of hospitality and connecting others um, like maybe your brand is you want to feel comfortable and like and like homey you know like so when you're designing your website maybe you want that to feel like something from Martha Stewart Living Magazine or Southern Living Magazine something that feels like someone could come in and take off their coat and stay a while um, but you know that you want your website to feel that way because you began with your strengths and what your mission as a business owner is and so like if you're um I've never actually honestly thought about branding a church before and just to be clear I I know you said this I don't do like brand design I take photographs for brands but if I were walking through side by side with a friend who was planting a church and advising them on something like this I would say go to a professional graphic designer or a professional template shop um and, but making sure that you're really really clear on the um the, the brand's identity, you know, so knowing your why or your mission, knowing your strengths as a church, knowing your values as a church, like drilling that down into like five values that are really, really important top of mind, knowing, I mean, I guess for branding, we always talk about knowing who it is you're trying to reach, like having a very specific audience in mind for a church, it would just be the people of the community. Well, it could um, be, it, but I mean, like, that, it makes sense because you do, you still, even if you're planting a church or you're, you're pastoring a church, you are thinking about, you know, what particular, uh, you're not just hoping anybody comes. You're hoping people come from your neighborhood. You're hoping that uh, maybe, maybe, you know, for instance, we just put a bill, we just bought a building on the West end of town. And really most of the people that come to our church uh, aren't coming from our neighborhood. So if we're okay. thinking about who are we trying to reach, obviously the answer is everyone. Mm -hmm. But there's really the, really the answer is people in our neighborhood, people within four blocks, okay. which changes things so because having, the pe people that live within four blocks of our church building uh, don't look like 
people that currently are at Valley Bible Church. And so, mm-hmm. so okay. I, I think what you're saying actually does, uh, does translate pretty well. Yeah. So that, I mean, and that comes down to like a little bit of market research of like, who is it that lives in this area that we're trying to reach? What are they, where do they spend their Sunday mornings normally? Like where would we be likely to bomb into them in real life? What do they value? What are they afraid of? What, um, how do they spend their money? What do they prioritize? Like getting really, really clear on who your, I mean, the term that we would use in business is target audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, knowing what your market challenges present and like what kind of position you guys present in the community, like, like what sort of church do you guys want to be known as? Like what kind of reputation do you got? And that's going to come, that's going to flow from your purpose, your mission, your values and your strengths. Um, but then allowing all of that to dictate where the visual brand leads you and then choosing, choosing a website template or having a website designed for you that embodies like the way that you want people to, to receive and perceive your brand. Super, so, super duper helpful. <laughs> oh, yeah, super helpful. And and I love I love hearing all that. And um, so let's say I wanted to take your class. How would I do that? I mean, there may yeah. be listeners who are thinking, man, I, whatever, whatever, how, how do I do that? How do I get into that <laughs> that thing? Yeah, it's, I mean, we can, I can link it in the show notes, but it's just courses.abbygracephotography.com slash branding foundation. But I'll send you guys a link. And yeah, can, we'll link it in the show notes. Want to put it in and is that notes. like a, like, just something you watch how what does that look like as far as the education yeah it's a text-based it's a text-based course um like i spend a lot of time on my computer and anytime i buy a course that's online i never consume um and so it's a text-based course that you can read um and we also have a printed version of it that we send if people if people want a book version of it because i'm like from my college days i love highlighting a good textbook i love writing in the margins so um we have that too but yeah i mean it's been super helpful for us i mean even just writing the course like processing through like hey how are we living out our our mission like how what is our mission as a business and for us that's personally to help people focus on what matters most and okay like but like why why does that matter? You know, why does it matter to help people focus on what matters most? Like what difference is that going to make? What's the end result? What's the long-term result for people? And um, I think it just makes you a lot more thoughtful instead of haphazardly like patching things together a day at a time and waking up and being like, well, what should we do for the brand today? It comes from a much more um, grounded perspective. You know, it's like stepping out your front door on day one and having uh, an overall idea of where you're going, as opposed to getting in your car and starting to drive and hoping that Alexa will give you directions, or not Alexa, Siri will give you directions um, if you haven't typed a destination in. She can't give you turns by turn directions if you don't tell her where you want to go. Another great sermon illustration I'm stealing. <laughs> and uh, really, honestly, really helpful. Yeah. Um, hey, one last question before we turn to our lightning round. Uh, you, you're a 10 out of 10. You might be 11 out of 10 in life. So I imagine, yeah. and really part of that's what, why we wanted to have you on is because we, we, we really want to chase down folks who are, uh, you know, pursuing God in different ways. And, and for you as a mom, who's also a wife, who's also a uh, entrepreneur, who's also uh, an actual creative photographer, who's, you know, really growing in all of these different areas and an educator, um, I'd love to hear how you balance it all how, or, or how do you maybe balance isn't the right word. I'm personally not a huge fan of the idea of balance because I don't know, feels so, uh, you got to hit just the impossible. exact, yeah. So impossible. How do you navigate the, <laughs> the, the, the kind of competing demands, uh, on your, your energy, your time, your focus, talk, walk us through what, how you do that. So I, I will say this, like I, 
I'm really grateful that we waited for so long for our son. Um, and it took me a long time to be able to say that I was grateful for my infertility, but I am because the Lord used that to um, make me joyfully expectant for mm. the eventual arrival of um, Felix. And so what, when we first started talking about having children, I was afraid of what a kid would do to our business. I, I literally told Matt one time I melt down and I was like, I don't want kids. Like I don't want children right now because my business is doing really well. And I feel like if I were to get pregnant, it would be a nine month ticking time bomb to the time my business implodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I viewed children as a distraction. And I think it's C.S. Lewis that says children are a distraction from more important work. They are the most important work. And I did not believe that at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe the kids were important, but I was like, that's the thing I'll eventually get to. Um, and so in waiting and wanting and just waiting, the Lord turned my heart from a spirit of entitlement to a spirit of like, he gives and he takes away. And when he gives, it's good. And when he takes away, it's good. And when he withholds, it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that balance is a little bit mm-hmm. easier, I would say, or that, that sort of navigating the ebbs and flow of all of the different demands on your time is a little bit um, more palatable for us to navigate because I am so grateful I'm so grateful to be a mom. Mm. And there are times where it's really hard when he's like crying and I don't know what he wants or he's being really frustrating or I need to go work on something else. But to be able to stop and say like, gosh, we waited so long for him and he's here. And like, yeah, there are a lot of other things that I need that I could be doing right now. But like he needs me right now and and I'm going to be I'm going to be all in right here. It's Ron Swanson says in Parks and Rec to Leslie Nope, he says, don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. And so that is how we try to approach um, parenting and marriage and work is I don't want to be half in for a bunch of different things. And so I would say, first of all, one of the key things to um, being present in wherever I, like wherever I am being a hundred percent there is I do not keep email on my phone. Um, I also don't get any kind of social media notifications on my phone. Um, So the only notifications that come through are like, text messages and phone calls. And sometimes even that's too much and I just have to put my phone away. And Mm. so, um, that's been, that's been really instrumental. Um, but like this concept of, um, I, I do the best I can with what I have. And when I have more, I will do better, but this is what I have right now. And so I'm going to steward this really well. Mm. And so we recognize there are times where like, I need to work more. Um, like this past week leading up to the launch, I needed to work more. Um, I needed more hours. And so mm. I got less time with Felix and that was really frustrating for me until I remembered like, this is just a season. Like we've purposefully built our business so that I'm not working 60 hours a week. This is not normal. Like, yes, it's okay for me to miss my son this week, but I know it's going to be better the week after that. And so I'm going to give myself some grace right now for not being the like, present mom that I want to be. I mean, I'm still present. Like we do bath time together every night. Like I'm there when he wakes up in the mornings, but like when I don't day, it's okay. There's grace for that because next week is going to be different. And like next week I'll have different resources available to me. Um, and I, so I want to do the best that I can with what I have. Um, and I want to be fully present wherever I am. So I'm not going to be with Felix checking email on my phone because I don't want my son to grow up recognizing me by the like back of my phone. Mm. Um, I don't check social media when I'm with him because I want to be fully with him in the same way that like when I'm working, I close my door and Matt doesn't, you know, if Matt's with Felix, he doesn't bring Felix in because I can't do both things at the same time. So we've really learned to like shut the proverbial door on, um, like when something is, um, like when I'm with Felix, I shut the door on work. When I'm with work, I shut the door like to my family. When I'm with Matt, we turn off phones or we put them away and we are just like really there with one another. So that was a very long answer to a short ish question. Um, 
but yeah, that's kind of how we navigate that. That's great. That was a great answer. Yeah. And you, man, you had me like multiple times there. I was, I got emotional, uh, just thinking about the, the long wait. Of course, Abby knows that's part of our story is the mm-hmm. long wait and the expectation. And then the, the, the sense of grace, you know, that this, yeah. this life that I have is a, is grace. It's a gift. And then, and then the Ron Swanson quote, yes. I was like, well, that's when I can't use the sermon. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> no, you definitely can't. I'm a Baptist preacher. I can't use that one. <laughs> you know, the, the see a huge drop in tithes that week. Yeah. Well, that, well, probably, probably, probably. Or is um, your church in online tithing? It is. They're trapped. They, <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of them have set it up and they're like, I don't know how to fix this. It's just, <laughs> it was hard enough to get it set up. I'm stuck <laughs> now. Um, that's like not, all those online subscriptions that you forgot you had until you cancel your credit card because yeah. it got stolen. Mm-hmm. And then you get all those reminders like, Hey, heads up, your Netflix account is having a hard time, you know, recharging. And you're like, I, I didn't even know I had Netflix anymore. <laughs> I'm glad that I'm not the only one that happens to. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I want to highlight one thing and then we'll move into the lightning round that, um, anyone can put into practice, anyone that has competing demands in their life that you shared. I mean, there's so much gold in there as far as the, the, um, um, you know, wholeheartedly being present, but man, the, I don't want my, and this could be kids, family members, yeah. you know, but to know Friends. me as the, as the yeah. back of the phone, um, yeah. oh, I actually pulled up my Gmail app while you were talking and I, he contemplated deleting I it. I think I might do it. <laughs> it's right there. So, so practically I, for, for both of y'all, I think I'm going to do it. Just do right it right now. Well, I, do it. Three, two, one. <laughs> I just del- I just deleted my email. Oh snap! Off my phone. Give it. Yeah, not <laughs> to commit to it for twenty four hours and like see how you're feeling. There's, I mean, oh, you what if care. someone so just I, emailed I me right now? <laughs> oh no! What if someone just emailed me? I give me? at conferences, and when I say that I don't keep email on my phone, you can like hear the collective gasp in the room from all of the small business owners who are like, oh, "How do you live?" And I'm like, I. I just don't have my, I just don't do it. Like I, I have hours do that I check email, which allows me to get through my inbox faster because I'm not trying to remember which emails have I already read. Mm. Um, but yeah, that like constant pinging and dinging, it's so distracting. It takes you away from the people that you're present with. Like you're, oh, I have so many thoughts on digital minimalism, but um, yeah, keeping email not on your phone is a first huge step and you will feel so free. It's gonna be really uncomfortable for the first couple of days, but you are gonna feel amazing. Mm. I've done it before. I'm like a dog that returns to his own vomit. <laughs> I, think, I think that's the biblical. I think that's the biblical that illusion is. there. Yeah, yes, that yeah. Is the I was picture. reading Deep Work or maybe Digital Minimalism by. Um, Wait, did you read both of those? I did. I did. As, fa- as a matter of fact, those are my favorite books. Yeah, and then he, he went out and bought an Apple Watch right after that. <laughs> tell me everything. Oh, I had a call failed. Uh, this now keeps me tethered. Now I can keep. Anyway, I need to. I need, I need to stop. I need to move on. I'm a dog. That returns to his own vomit. Yeah, as a matter of fact, we did uh, <laughs> uh, on my my other podcast w- with Reed Monahan. Yes, the Gospel Underground. We did a whole digital minimalism podcast. Uh, if our, I'll, we'll link to it in the sh- show notes. Well, it might have been a deep work podcast. Was, uh, it was deep work, but you know, Reed, we talked about Reed is not a digital minimalist. He's not. No, I was the I was the minimalist. You're looking. Your eyes are going back and forth to my Apple Watch. Yes, I was the minimalist. Moving on, we're going we to close our just stop. Maybe just stop. compared to Reed. Well, hold on, hold on. I want. I had one more question um, related to uh, you know you just mentioned uh, part of the way you you juggle your priorities is 
uh, is just remembering that that everything is is a gift, or or in particular that your son is a gift, and um, and then you both were were kind of mentioning mentioning that, uh, and and so I guess this is a little bit to both of you. Just how how practically do you remember uh, in the moment that? these things are a gift or, or even remember in the moment that like, uh, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, you know, Abby, you mentioned that, uh, the Lord withholding is good. The Lord giving is good. The Lord taking is good. How, how practically in the moment do you, do you take the time to remember that? Or, uh, or do you have someone in your life who's reminding you of that? Do you have practices in your life that are helping you to remember that? Um, Cause it's hard. It's hard I, in the moment. I remember. Yeah, no, I remember when we were, um, trying to get pregnant and people complaining about their kids, you know, like, uh, like enjoy sleep now. Cause once you guys have kids, you're never going to get any anymore. I remember feeling so dejected by that. Like mm. you have that thing that I would give anything for and you're complaining about it. And like, I understand that parenthood is hard, but like, do you have any idea what my story is? Like I would give anything to have a child keep me up at night. Um, and, and like in those moments being like, okay, when we have kids, don't forget how that feels. Like, mm -hmm. don't forget that you promised that you would still be grateful when a child cries and you're in the middle of the night, because it means that he's here. Um, and so, I mean, that's not to say like, I don't lose my cool. That's not to say that like, I don't still get tired because I do, but I think that the leading this spirit of gratitude and that's, I mean, it was spirit breathed. Like for so long I was entitled, I was angry. Um, and you know, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that my hope was very situational. Um, I never understood what hope actually meant. Like people like have hope. I'm like, yes, I do. I hope that my situation will change. Like don't mm. give up hope. I haven't, but I'm still not pregnant. Um, mm. And realizing coming eventually to the realization of like, oh, in Christ, my hope is like, hope doesn't mean I wish for hope means confidence. Like I have confidence that like I'm saved and I'm going to be with Jesus and that like he is king over all and he saved me from myself. That's what hope means. Hope doesn't mean that God's going to give me what I want. Hope doesn't mean my situation's going to change. And if I trust that he is who he says he is, that means that he is good regardless of my circumstance. And so if he chooses not to give to me in this situation, like I should be grateful because he's a good God and, and like reconciling the fact that my definition of good is not the same as his, not always the same as his. Um, there was also a, a, a story that officer told one time of um, uh, a group of women who were in a concentration camp in world war two and that they were holding Bible studies in there. You guys just looked at each other. Do you know what story I'm going to tell? No, keep going. Okay. May they were holding maybe, Bible studies. Keep going. Yeah in in their dormitory and um that there were fleas in the dormitory and they literally thanked god for the fleas because it meant that the um nazi soldiers didn't come in and check on them and didn't know they were hosting a bible study so for to for someone to be able to say thank you god for this obnoxious thing in my life because it enables your will to be done like this 
became a like enabled me to thank God for this like awful pain of infertility because it allowed me to glimpse the glory of the hope that we have in Christ, mm. which I could never have understood that. I mean, that's not to say I could never have understood, but like, I didn't understand that. Like my infertility was the vehicle that the Lord used to reveal himself to me. And I'm so grateful for that. And so I think that that just re reframing of my infertility is a curse to the Lord uses infertility, something that is a result of brokenness and the fall of man. He used this thing. He uses all things for the glory of, of for the glory of those who love him. Right. Rowan's, I can't remember. Um, I'm really bad at quoting scripture, but like he works all things together for yep. the good of those who love him. Yep. Romans and so 8, he took this, there we go. He, he used this really hard thing in my life for his glory because he showed up and he showed up big. And so if I can learn to be grateful for my infertility, I can be grateful for something as frustrating as Felix trying to grab my phone or knocking a glass of water off the coffee table like he did yesterday. Like, yeah, it's frustrating, but like the overall color of our story is gratitude because we waited so long. I, I just, in, that's a long answer, but like the, sh the short of it is, I think is when you don't feel grateful, acknowledging the things that you know to be true, repeating those truths over and over and over again, so that this thing that becomes intellectual knowledge eventually starts to weave its way into the fibers of your heart um, and starts to change the posture of your heart from one of entitlement to gratitude or one of irritation to joy or discontent to contentment. Amen. 10 out of 10. I don't have anything to add there. I mean, awesome. really, really, <laughs> I mean, there, well, no, let me just double up and say um, there is something to um, uh, suffering, there's something to waiting, there's something to loss that, that really kind of, uh, narrows the focus and makes what you have more beautiful. And it's, you know, it's not just with infertility, but certainly with that, you know, there, there's something there, but then also there's that habituation of, um, you know, practicing thankfulness yeah. and great yeah. gratitude that just continues to sort of, you know, keep you there. So I, I loved hearing that. I needed to hear that. Because I don't, I don't think I'm doing a great job. You needed a reminder. I needed a reminder, and so I appreciate that. So, uh, let's move into the lightning round. Okay, great. What's uh, what's in your bag? Describe your photography kit. Oh, okay. Um, 5D Mark IV, Canon 5D Mark IV, uh, Contact 645, which is a medium format film camera. I've got my light meter. Um, I've got several rolls of Fuji 400H medium format film. Favorite lens is the 50 millimeter 1.2, which is this gorgeous portrait lens. Um, that's what I use most frequently. Do you want like the whole bag? Because no, 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 that no, could no. we could be that, here no, a no, while. No, I, I'm going to do show notes and I'm going to link that, to these things, and that's enough for me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a decent amount of that was gibberish. Uh, 51.2. That's for the Canon. I like that you're still shooting film. Is that like a niche that you have that like makes you more in demand? Because not very many people do that, I would assume. It's, I mean, it's definitely like a, there are several wedding photographers who do shoot film and it is considered a more fine art, um, high end approach. Um, uh, because I mean, to be frank, you have to know your crap. If you're going to shoot film, you can't spray and pray with a film camera because it's really expensive. Spray um, and but pray. I just, is that I mean, you, I love the spray and pray just kind of like mashing the, the, yeah. And hope and like shooting on auto and hoping something good comes out. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Don't spray and pray that Don't probably pray. actually applies to a lot of life, but we're going to move on. <laughs> What's something under $100 that every photographer should own? That's a good question. 
Uh, yeah, because I'm I'm limiting. You can't buy you can't buy a Canon fifty one point two for under hundred dollars. No, buy a light can't. meter though. Um, something under a hundred dollars. Oh, um, I would say either dress clamps, um, like the clamps that you can get at um Home Depot, like industrial clamps, um, because those are good for pinching clothing back at like a model a shoot with models, or museum gel which you can get at the container store because it helps hold things like little things in place if you're shooting something small and intricate and you need it to stay. Museum gel? Museum gel. Yeah, it's like the gel used to put like, like if you had a clear glass table and you have a vase that you want to put on top of it, you would use these little beads of museum gel and it sticks it on there and keeps it secure if it were to get like jostled a little bit. I didn't even know this was a thing, but I'm going to link to it in the show notes. (laughs) Abby, how can people follow you or be in touch with you? Tell us about that, like Instagram, Facebook, what, what, what's the best way to follow you? Definitely Instagram. Um, that's where I keep up with things. I just Abby at, or sorry, no, at Abby Grace photo, A B B Y G R A C E P H O T O. Great. Don't email her. Cause she doesn't have email on her phone. Nope. N- I mean, you can email you can me. Email. It's info at abbygracephotography.com, <laughs> but you'll get it on from my husband before you get one from me. There you go. There you go. Uh, last couple of questions. What book is currently on your nightstand? Um, Congo by the guy who wrote Jurassic Park and also Digital Minimalism. <laughs> Digital Minimalism by uh, Georgetown. Who Cal is it? Newport. Cal Newport and Congo by yep. Michael Crichton. Crichton. Michael Crichton. Right, yep. Jurassic Park. Final question. What advice do you have for someone who wants to start a career in photography? Compare yourself to the photographer you were yesterday, not to those around you. Don't compare your beginnings to someone else's middle. Man, don't compare your beginnings to someone else's middle. That's John Acuff's quote. I just want to say that. that That's John Acuff, not me. Don't quote me on that. You could have just stolen it though like jesse's like gonna I, do with your illustrations <laughs> like i'm gonna That's do what actually we call plagiarism <laughs> like what i'm gonna do with that quote <laughs> <laughs> abby that was you miss 100 of the shots you don't take that's right wayne gretzky michael, michael scott. slash michael scott slash abby grace abby grace Spring slash jesse <laughs> that's how it works <laughs> That's how it works. Abby, thank you so much for joining us on episode 23 of The Hammer and Quill. Thank you all listeners for tuning in. Please subscribe, review us on iTunes. Rev- I don't know, can you review on Spotify? We're on Spotify. I don't know. Review, review us where you can review us. I know one place where you can on YouTube, but you can <laughs> on iTunes. Throw some five-star reviews our way. Until next time, peace. Peace.